sanctuary by our prayer table. If you would like prayers before, during, or after our worship service, please come up and speak with one of our prayer team members. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder at our connection site. For everyone attending our service today, please fill out our little friendship card. Include your name, contact information, especially if you would like one of our church newsletters. On the back, you can ask for prayer requests, share blessings, or leave notes for our staff. Enjoy the service and welcome to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. Good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day. That the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Shall we pray together? Dear God in heaven, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will pour into this place. Pour into our hearts that we might experience the living God in this place that you might move us and help us to worship you in wonder and joy and blessing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing together, America the Beautiful.
Lord be with you. Please be seated. This morning we have a mission moment that you'll find an envelope for if you want to give an extra gift to that this morning, and it's for a local mission called Lakeview Animal Shelter. My name's Sandy Fall, and God gave me a special gift to help animals, and I'm lucky enough to be on this planet to help some animals. I've been a nonprofit, no-kill animal shelter, licensed for 35 years now as a rescue. This little goat right here was born blind and almost dead. The vet didn't figure she'd make it six hours. For the first month of his life, he slept next to my bed. He's four months now. Her name is Cotton. She was born, uh, and her mother wouldn't take care of her. Her brother died, so now she's Miracle's best friend. We burned down five years ago. And Pete here actually pulled me out of the fire, and we're still rebuilding here. The church was amazing with donations and help here after the fire. It was uh, amazing. People all came to our help. 100% of every penny we get here um, goes to the animals. And like I say, it costs about $100 a day just for food for down at the barn. The only way we survive now is with volunteers. Good morning. You know, God has given us all kinds of, uh, of tasks, all kinds of ministries and things to do while we are here in this world. And one of those things is to care for the creation, to care for the animals, to care for the land, to care for all of those things that God has blessed us with that we can draw from um, for our lives. And it's such a blessing when there are ministries to attend to those things. And as you prayerfully consider your giving today, I pray that you would you would consider the possibility that God would have you give to this wonderful ministry. Um, I am so filled with joy over being able to be in God's house today, worshiping with God's people. Amen? Amen. Are you glad to be here with God this morning? And among the people of God, what joys do you have to share this morning? I'm sure you have some. You're all too tired from the fourth yet, right? Yeah, well, that was a joy, wasn't it, to be able to share time, uh, a time of a break and, and with family and with friends. I know I had, I had family over as well. I know that we have joys filling our hearts, and sometimes when we're a little tired from a holiday, we have trouble bringing them up to our conscious mind. But do, as um, we're considering the joys and the blessings that God has poured into our lives, let's return some of that joy back to God through our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings, and and I know God is going to bubble up memory of those joys that you have in your heart, even while we are sharing with Christ.
dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you that we may gather together and worship you in spirit and in truth, together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only in this church, but in churches all over the world on a Sunday morning, Lord. We just ask in Jesus' name that you would be with us and bless our worship. Bless this offering, Lord God. Give us wisdom to know how to best use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, that many would come to salvation in Christ. And bless especially the offering made for the Lakeview Animal Sanctuary and all of the work that is done for the little creatures that you have made to be there. Father, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would bless this day, bless us, and bless all that we have to offer you. It all came from you in the first place, and we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. With these concerns and those that are in your heart, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you know our needs before we even ask. And yet you invite us to join together with you in our concern for those who are in need. We lift them up before you, Lord God, knowing that you hear and that you answer our prayers, knowing that you pour out the power of your Holy Spirit into the lives of people who are in need. That as we pray, that power is drawn forth from you. We are grateful, Lord God. We are so grateful for your willingness to intervene in our lives, that you are not a God who sits far off and ignores us or just passively watches what's going on, but that you desire to be involved in our lives in all kinds of ways. And so now we ask, Lord, be involved in the lives of your people as we pray. We pray, Lord God, for those who are sick and who are infirm. We pray for those suffering from cancers and those who are in need of healing from such things. We pray for their families as they are also impacted by their loved one who is sick. We pray that you bring healing into their lives, the lives of their loved ones, the lives of their caregivers. Touch them, Lord, with your healing power. Touch those who have had surgeries of all kinds, who have had to have parts of their bodies repaired, Lord God, by the medical knowledge and, and abilities that you have granted to people. We're so grateful that we can participate with you in healing in this way. We ask that you would enter in. Be as you are greater than anything we can do out of our own wisdom or knowledge, out of our own skills or experience. Be with us, touch us, and heal us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for those who are 
in hospice care, Lord God, for those who are knowing that their time on this earth is short. We pray in Jesus' name that they will have your peace that passes all understanding. We pray for their loved ones that they too will find comfort in you. We pray, Lord God, for those who are grieving losses of all kinds. We just ask in Jesus' name for you to comfort them, for your strength to be there for them. We pray in Jesus' name that you would just bless your people with a knowledge and a sense of your overwhelming love and compassion for us all. Help, Lord God, those who are ministering directly to those folks who are grieving. Help each one to have words that come from you, actions that are needed and appreciated. All kinds of ability to comfort and care for all those who are in need. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for all of those things going on in this world that are so troublesome, for people who are suffering because of earthquakes, especially the most recent earthquake in Southern California, Lord God, but also those recovering from floods, from tornadoes, from hurricanes, from all kinds of disasters that are natural, and also, Lord, from those kinds of disasters that come by human making. We pray in Jesus' name that you would send help. We pray in all the circumstances that are far-reaching into the world and that are very nearby, even in our own neighborhoods, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom to know how we are called to help. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet, your voice, your arms of love in this world of trouble. Transform us, Lord God, now through this time of worship as we hear songs of praise and prayers, as we hear your words spoken, and as we hear the message you've given Pastor Tom for us this day. We just ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would help make us into the people you have intended that we be. Transform us, Lord God, perfect us in your love and mercy so that we may make an impact in this world for you. In whatever ways you've called us, make all of our worship to be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 5 verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all the people because all sinned. To be sure, 
Sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jeff. We're looking at a study of the book of Romans, and we chose the book of Romans intentionally for this time of year because we figure that Romans is a sort of sophisticated study of the Christian faith. Paul sometimes says things that take a little unpacking, and so we look for a time when we'd have real Christians show up to church that would be willing to listen to this kind of teaching. And we see that the most faithful committed Christians are here this morning. After all, it's 4th of July weekend, and for the first time in about seven months, it's not raining. So God bless you for being here. When my daughter was young, about seven or eight years old, sometimes she would misbehave and we would send her to her room. Parents do that from time to time. But we would send her with the instructions that you can come down from your room when you're ready to behave. Do you have any idea how long she stayed up there? (laughs) What is it about people that even though we know what we're supposed to do and what's good for us, we choose to do what's wrong? In verse 12 it says, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Some people refer to that as original sin, and we're going to talk about original sin, where it came from, what it means. What, what, what we're really talking about is why is there evil? Why is there suffering? If God is such a good God and made a good world, which it says he did in Genesis, and he's all-powerful, 
Why do we have evil? Why do we have suffering in this world? It's an age-old question that a lot of people have struggled with. And we're going to go to the books of the Bible and find somebody in the Old Testament that can help us a little bit with this conundrum. Let's see if you can figure out who this one is. Well, this should give you a clue. And a snake. Who do you think we're going to talk about? Adam. Yes, Adam, the first one created by God. It started long ago in the Garden of Eden when Adam said to Eve, baby, you'll fault me. Adam. Adam was created and put in a garden. It says so in the Old Testament. And it was a perfect place. It was a wonderful place where, where you had all you could eat and a nice, easy life. Joy and blessing. And God said, you can eat anything you want in this garden, except don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what did Adam do? He had to eat that fruit, didn't he? He had to do it. Why would he do it? Of all the trees that he had available, he could do anything. The one thing God said, don't do, that's what he had to go and do. Now, right after he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God took a walk in the garden and asked them if they had eaten the fruit. It was obvious because they knew they were naked and they had knowledge that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And what did they start doing immediately? It's not my fault! The woman made me do it! To be honest with you, the snake was very clever, and he had all kinds of temptations and good suggestions he made to the woman, which caused her to want to eat the fruit. Now, Adam, on the other hand, she just said, here, eat this, and he said, okay. (laughs) Men don't come out very good in this particular story. Was it the woman's fault? She said, no, no, not me. It was a snake. The snake made me do it. And you can almost hear the snake, can't you? That old serpent, Satan, saying, hey, you made everything, God. It's probably really your fault. So did God make evil? Whose fault is all of this? How did this happen? It goes back to the idea that we were made in the image of God, each of us. And by the way, the Bible says we were made male and female in the image of God, which means Adam, which means humanity, was originally male and female. It's a whole different sermon, but but read the story. The creature was separated. Originally, it looked like God. It was all of us. That's why we want to put the creature back together again all the time. God made Adam, humanity, to be like him. And so when God made this creation, he wanted us to be so much like him that we had the attributes of God. We could be creative. We could be loving. We could be filled with joy. And we could make a choice. A real choice. Not a pretend choice. It'd be like if I said to you, you've got a choice. You can eat an apple this morning or you can eat an apple. You'd say, that's not a choice. I want oatmeal. 
I want bacon and eggs. That's a choice. So if God only gave us the choice of good, and that's all he created, we wouldn't be like him. We wouldn't truly be made in the image of God. We'd be kind of a false shadow of God. So he gave us a real choice. It was a possibility. And then people gave it life. The one thing we were told not to do, we did it. Now, why am I saying we? Because we are children of Adam. And every one of us start out in that innocence, that that beauty, that wonder, that joy of being like little children with no understanding at all of what sin is. Until one day we come to understand good and evil. And what do we do? Even though we know we shouldn't, we choose to do evil. We choose sin. Now sin, by the way, in the writings of Paul, come in two different types. One is sin with a small s, and the other is sin with a big s. Now it doesn't actually show up that way in the book. You've got to figure this out. Sin with a small s is when we say, I sinned today. I did some action that was wrong. As compared to sin with a big s, which Paul uses to describe a power, a force, that we've unleashed in the world that brings brokenness and chaos and destruction. So when we chose to do that small sin, small as sin, we unleashed the power of evil. And the truth of the matter is, it destroyed everything. We, We talk about Satan like he's evil, but you know he was created as the angel of light. Did you know that? That's his name, Lucifer. The angel of light. His job was to shine light on the faithfulness of humanity. Point out how we were so faithful and loving to God. And when we reached for that fruit, we brought down the entire universe. Romans chapter 8 says, All creation groans and is waiting for the day of restoration. It's wrong. And we do it. And we all sin. We all make that choice. That's original sin. That we all have it as part of our character that we give in to sin. I don't know why we do it. Why do we do things we know we shouldn't do? I was out on a boat this last week. I got a boat from my brother. Now I've taken it out four times, so now I'm a seaworthy captain. The ship set sail on the, you know, we're a three-hour cruise. We headed out into Silver Lake, and we got about three-fourths of the way down Silver Lake, and they were about to start a boat parade. They have a boat parade, they do. They dress up all these boats like floats, and they, and they go down the, the lake. And I actually wanted to show my sister this new McMansion they built on Silver Lake. You know, this $2 million home that a guy flies in with a helicopter. It's really wild. You know, at Silver Lake, we're like, we don't have this stuff. So I wanted to show her this. But the boat parade was in the way, so I thought, well, we'll watch the boat parade too. So I I headed the boat in the direction of the boat parade, and my wife says, you know, it looks like storm clouds up there, Tom. We might want to go back to the dock. 
And I said, no, honey, I mean, you know, we all know that the weather always comes from the west, and that's on the eastern side of the lake, so that's going to blow away. Don't worry about it. We're fine, and pointed the boat right at the clouds. We got a little closer, and we noticed that the, the, the boats were lining up for the parade, and I figured I'd just get in behind them, and we'd get a nice view of the seashore. Plus, we got to see the parade. It was like a bonus. Wow, am I not the smartest guy in the world? And my wife said, you know, i got to tell you the truth. It, I can see the rain coming down over there. <laughs> you ever see a storm like that where you can actually see the rain? And my brother-in-law, who's only been out in a boat once in his life besides this time, said, I see it too. I see it too. We should go back to the dock. I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's, don't worry, because the, the wind blows with it. That we won't have any problem. And literally drove the boat right into the storm. The rain is coming down on me. Why did I do that? Why? What what possessed me to not listen to the woman I have been married to for 40-some years who's brilliant and intelligent and understands the weather as much as anybody? Why did I just go and do completely the wrong thing anyways? If I could answer that, I'd fix marriages all over the world, right? (laughs) But I did, and we do. And the worst part is we even know it's right and wrong. That's what Paul is telling us in, in verse 13, that the law itself was created to point out our sin. Before the existence of the law, from Adam to Moses, people kind of naturally knew what was right and wrong, but they didn't quite get the details of it. So God gave us the rules, not because he thought we could keep them, he wanted to point out just how messed up we had become. He made the laws so that we would know what's right and wrong. Because, you know, God didn't give us laws that were hurtful. He gave us laws that would help us. Like if you want a long marriage, don't commit adultery. Hello? If you want to have friends in your life and good relationships, don't covet what they have. Don't be envious because that doesn't make good relations between us. If you want to have a good relationship with your family, honor your mother and father. You get it? These aren't made to hurt us. They're made to help us. And yet even though my wife told me, don't drive into the storm, that's exactly what I did. God reveals these flaws. A little at a time. Now, I've discovered over the course of my life that about every so often, God points out something that's been wrong in me for my whole life. Anybody else ever have this happen? And it's like I've been going through life, and I was oblivious to this stuff wrong with me. And then all of a sudden, God makes it so obvious, and I go, really? Why didn't you tell me that like 20 years ago so I didn't make a fool of myself the last 20 years? Am I the only one who's ever had this experience? I hope not. And God does that because he doesn't want us to be overwhelmed with the sense of our sinfulness and our brokenness. So that little by little, as we overcome one problem in our life, God points out something else, which also shows us just how broken we are in the end. Because the purpose of the law is to point out our failure. That when sin increases... As it says in here in verse 20, God, even the more, can grant grace. 
So you see, even the pain we feel can be a blessing from God. We have a tendency to think that suffering is just a bad thing, but sometimes it's good. If you stick your finger in the fire, it hurts, right? If it doesn't hurt, that's, that's not good. There are some people that have that situation. So if you stick your finger in a fire, you go, ouch, so that you won't put your hand in the fire, right? But the real question is, why did we stick our finger in the fire in the first place? Even though our parents told us, don't stick our finger in the fire, what is the first thing we do? How many of you ever stuck your finger in the fire? Really, honestly, y'all dead. Why do we do that? Because, see, that power of sin with the big S, it's, it's strong and it affects us. And, and so, so we, we do these things, but the suffering is really good. It's designed to keep us from doing something even worse. When I do too much and my back hurts, it's telling me, don't do that. Right? So the suffering, even in and of itself, can be good. But that doesn't mean sin is good. Sin leads to brokenness and separation. And eventually, as it says in here in verse 14, verse 21, and elsewhere, that that sin reigns, bringing death. The penalty of sin is death. In Genesis, again, in the very beginning of the the Bible, when uh, when we were were looking at that man, Adam, he was just a pile of dust, really, just a bunch of dirt, some mud. And it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and, and the human being became a living being. We went from dirt and dust to being alive. And what caused it? The breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, breathed into us, transformed everything, and made us alive. The presence of God. Sin brings brokenness between us and God. Sin makes makes a separation between us and God. And in the process, it also means that we're separated from life. And so sin causes us to die. From our separation and brokenness with God. So we understand sin is bad. And by the way, it's not just the sins of commission, the ones we do, but it's also the sins of omission, the ones we don't, the the good we don't do. And it's even the ones that we don't really know are wrong. John Wesley used to define sin, and he said, Sin properly so called are the things that you know are wrong and you do anything, anyways, like sticking your finger in the fire. Why do you do that? Eating the fruit. But sometimes we also do things that are wrong and we don't know it. Anybody else have that? I've had many times where people point out to me things I'm doing wrong I didn't realize I was doing. I didn't know it. Now John Wesley would call those defects. We're defective. I like that. We're all defective and fall short of the glory of God. That's easy because we can blame him again, right? It's not our fault. Well, it doesn't matter. Wesley would say to us, and it's true, that that brokenness still requires grace. It requires God to fix it. Whether, whether it's sin properly called or sin that we don't even understand, it creates a separation from God and leads to death. And the sins of the many, of all of us, 
are the brokenness we live in. Because sin infects all of us. Just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. We're all sinners. It says, on the other hand, through the, the, the one man, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteousness. So everyone falls, everyone sins, all of us are broken, but we can be fixed if we make the right choice. You see, it goes back to that choice thing again. God gave us the ability to choose like God chooses, to make a decision about how we're going to live. Sitting in that storm with the motor kind of going, as I'm waiting for the boat parade to scatter out of my way so I can get to that mansion. I had a boat come by, and he asked, are you guys okay? I said, yep, we're good. He drove away. Three minutes later, my engine stopped. So now I'm not only sitting in a rainstorm in the middle of the lake at a boat. I've only taken out four times. Now the engine isn't running. We ran out of gas. <laughs> really? Really? For all I've done for you? Like God didn't fill the gas tank, right? I'm okay. I understand how this works because we've got a reserve tank. We're not that foolish, right? Hooked up the gas line. I'm trying to start the motor. Now, I know everything because I've been on the boat four times. These people, they've never been out at all. They don't know anything, right? So I, I've even been shown a trick on how to, how to you know, rev the engine, and I'm, I'm working at it. I'm working at it, and I'm getting the suggestions. Don't you hate the suggestions? <laughs> my wife is suggesting this. Even my brother-in-law has been out on a boat once. He had a suggestions for me. My daughter reaches down and he says, what's this flat thing? It starts squeezing it, which of course pumps gas through the lines. Which of course I wouldn't admit to her, but probably got the engine to start. That's probably <laughs> the truth. Ah! Choices. The choices we make can lead to brokenness, can lead to sin and destruction, or it can lead to life. Why did God even make this possible. There's a guy in the Bible called Job. One of the oldest books in the Bible. That's one of the most troubling books in the Bible. Very frustrating book if you've ever read it. About a man who had every blessing and, and God tested his faith by pretty much taking everything from him. And at one point, Job says to God, what's your problem? How could you make such a mess? How could you create a world so confused? Did you know God answered him? You know God does answer us sometimes when we ask these questions, even when we don't answer, ask him in the right way. And this is what he said. You know how to make a crocodile? Have you ever measured off a planet and put it in a universe? Do you know how to separate the seas from the land? When you can make a world and a universe, you come talk to me about mine, little man. Oh, that's a little harsh, don't you think? That wasn't any answer. What the, what the heck kind of thing was that? But it was the answer. It was the very answer. It is the whole answer to all of this. 
Well, nothing's impossible for God. Some things become an impossible conundrum. God created a world. It was a beautiful place. But he wanted us to be like him. Able to really honestly make choices like God makes. But to do that, it meant God had to make a world where there was the possibility we'd make the wrong choice. He didn't want evil. He wanted good. But somehow, he left us a choice, and we messed it up. Everyone is offered the choice of grace. It says so in verse 18, but not everyone chooses it. Deuteronomy has Joshua standing before the people of Israel, and he says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life that you and your children may live. Choose Choose the blessings of God. I got the engine started. And I drove through the rain. I couldn't see anything. We were soaking wet. I've got water splashing in my eyes. My wife's trying to point out obstacles in my way. Don't tell me this. And I drove straight towards that McMansion. My sister's going to see this thing. And then I realized, no, let's head back to the dock. We got into the dock, and I got off, slippery, wet, trying to get out of the boat, parked the boat wrong, it's all messed up on the lift, I don't care, everybody scurried out of the boat, got to dry ground. When we finally make the right choice, the power of sin melts away. Sin is very powerful. It brought down an archangel. It brought down Satan himself. But the power of God is even greater. Both Adam and Jesus, it says in verse 15, trace their lineage back to God and are called the Son of God. One made the wrong choice, one made the right choice. And the right choice we can make through Jesus Christ gives us the power to overcome sin. In this world, we're given a glimpse of heaven and a glimpse of hell. We're given some of the worst that can be and some of the best that can be so that we will choose what is good and choose life. And grace gives us that reward. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundance, provision of grace, and the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? Sin brings death. But grace brings back life. Life. And abundantly. We were soaking wet. Why did we make the right choices? We live in a broken creation. All creation groans, Romans says, and is waiting for the day that this will be restored. And in the meantime, it feels like everything we do is a little piece of that heaven and a little piece of that hell. And just when it seems things are going right, it falls apart. And just when it seems things are falling apart, well, look at these guys.
By the way, I don't know if you noticed, he didn't even want the berry, he wanted the stems. That's a different message. You see, the difficulty is, is in this world, we're going to face the brokenness of sin and the blessings of God. Lately, it seems like death has been a, a close companion to our family and our churches. Every week, we have a funeral this Saturday, one for a 30-year-old girl named Emily who grew up in our church. And if it's not in this church, it's in the Niagara Falls church or in our family alone. This past week, our close friends and neighbors out at Silver Lake, he died. Same day he died, my wife's godfather, we went up to visit him in the hospital to say a prayer with him because we hadn't seen him in a while and we thought it would be nice to have a visit and that night he died. And then one of our colleagues, a friend of ours, her husband dies. And it was my sister-in-law's birthday this week. 32 years ago she died. That is a as a strange companion. And, and why would God create such a thing? You know, in the garden, there was no death. I think it's because as much as there are blessings in this world, and as much as there are good things and joys, this is not where God wants us to live forever. When you look at the pain and the struggle and the sufferings and the, and the hardships, which I see a lot of in my work, you'll discover this is not what God had in mind. And so he's limited our time here long enough to make a choice, but not so long that we suffer for centuries. Because you see, the new creation that the Bible talks about is one where God accepts our choice to have no choice. God knows that we have made the choice like he did, and so he eliminates sin and evil and brokenness and sorrow and pain, and all those things will have passed away. And all we have is eternal joy get back to the garden. God offers it. In verse 15, he says, it's a gift. A gift. Sometimes we don't like gifts because we feel obligated. And this is the greatest gift of all. It's better than any gift you could imagine. If a bazillionaire would give you all of his bazillions, it would not be as big a gift as to have all of eternity with God and the blessings of his presence in this life. So sometimes we don't want to do that because we don't want to feel obligated or just we choose the wrong things. And so our sin leads to suffering. It even led to God's suffering. 
But through his amazing love of Jesus Christ, he offered this gift of life. And so the question is, will you accept that today? Autumn, you can come down for your, your room anytime you're ready to behave. I would call that up to her every half hour or so to remind her there was no time limit. Anytime you are ready to behave, you could come down those stairs. She would stay in her bedroom for hours. She was only seven or eight years old. Already had that problem. We have a choice. Follow the old person in Adam or become like the new person in Christ. God says if we confess our sin and repent of them, he will turn our lives around and change us. So I invite you to join me in prayer this morning. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. I've taken that fruit. I stuck my finger in the fire. I drove my boat in the rain. Forgive me, God. I've hurt you. I've disrespected others. I've lived for the wrong decision. Forgive me, Lord. And turn my life around that I might live to glory for God, for joy, for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God loved us even while we were broken sinners, proving that his love for us is greater than you can imagine. And he said that he will forgive our sins and give us new life. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
God's forgiven children of God, filled with his grace, let's share the peace of the Holy Spirit with one another. Morning,
we give our hearts and our souls to God. He gave his whole life for us. He gave everything for us. And we celebrate that at the table this morning. Everyone is welcome as we remember what Christ has done on our behalf, as we lift up our hearts in praise and worship, as we respond to the call to come and meet with Christ, to come and receive everything God wants to pour out into our lives. Everyone is welcome. If you love God, repent of your sin, and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are invited. You are welcome to come in, to share in the bread and the juice, to remember what God has done, to receive what he would pour out into your life so that you may pour the love of Christ into the whole world around you. Amen? So won't you come? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of children of God, the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward.
God has put a choice before you today. Life or death, sin and destruction of glory or grace. God wants you to choose. Stop sticking your finger in the fire. Stop driving your boat in the rain. If somebody gives you good advice, like someone you've been married to for 40-some years, listen to them. Because the wind can blow either way. What an idea. And God wants you to let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow into you and change your direction and move you towards life. Go and live life to the fullest. In Jesus' name, amen.